best friends and introverts. Welcome back to the You're So Quiet podcast, or welcome if you're joining us for the very first time. As always, I am your host, Chelsea Brown. This week, I am joined by the one and only Donovan Brown. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you think that's so funny. (laughs) We've just not been able to stop laughing since we got into the podcast closet, so this is probably going to be a chaotic episode, but I think it's fine. So today we're going to talk about the nitty gritty, how you managed to retire at 50 and the mental health circumstances that drove that decision and how you feel now. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, some fun stuff, some deep stuff for sure. Yep. Okay. So first we're going to do our mental health check as always. Rate your mental health from one to five, one being horrible, five being amazing. How are you feeling? I would say a four. Okay. been goofing around. Yeah. Um, A lot of stress is off my back and... Still meet with a few people from Microsoft, which is fun to keep in touch with them. But yeah, no, I'm feeling pretty good. Good. Yeah, I'm feeling like a four also. Nothing really to complain about. Just a lot of stuff coming up. Trying to get everything ready <laughs> to drive to Nebraska for yeah. Nationals, which is next week. Mm-hmm. Mm, mm-hmm. Week after next. Oh, well, I guess week after next. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have one week to prepare and then the next week. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we will be on the road. Mm-hmm. It'll be crazy. All right. So... With that being said, we're going to do our recommendations for the week. I used to only do books, TV shows, or movies, and now I'll do anything that you're doing that you like, that that's a habit that you would recommend. Oh, no, it's still a book. And when I announced my retirement, the number one question I was asked was, like, any book recommendations? And obviously, The Income Factory um, is a book that I was really glad that I was pointed to because it confirmed everything I had figured out on my own. So I would, if you're interested in doing what I did, the first thing would be get that book and make sure you understand the concepts in that book. And I think you'll be well on your way. Cool. I will also get a link from mm-hmm. for that from you and I'll put it in the show notes for anyone who's curious. Uh, for me, my recommendation for the week is the show we've been watching, Chimp Empire on Netflix. It's wild. It honestly today <laughs> I thought that it would it had to have been CGI because they are so close to these chimpanzees and just watching them and how they're behaving and their behaviors with different clans. It I honestly I thought that it was fake. 100% thought it was fake. It's not, by the way. Um and it's on Netflix if you want to watch it. It's called Chimp Empire. It's really really good. I don't watch TV to learn, so the fact that I'm watching a docu-series says something about the docu-series, I think. So definitely check that out. So now we're going to get into it. Are you ready? Sure. Sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I have a couple questions, but we'll just see how it goes. Okay. All right. First question. When we are recording this, you're a couple weeks into retirement, and mm. how does it feel? It feels interesting. I'm still not quite used to it yet. Mm. It's... It's not like vacation because when you take a vacation, in the back of your mind is that pile of email you have to answer, that thing you didn't quite finish before you left that you have to do. And those last few days of your your vacation are miserable. Just, oh, I got to go back and listen to that person's voice or be in a meeting with that person. And I think it's dawning on me that I never have to do that again. Mm. And it's, it's like I'm not quite sure I get it or I believe that that's true, but it's kind of neat to realize that there are people that I never have to be in a meeting with again, like ever. Mm-hmm. And I never have to check my email and for work. And it's just, it's weird. So I don't think it's quite hit me yet, but I am doing stuff I would never do before. Playing video games is something I would have never have done when I was working, right? Because I had to be working. Uh, so now it feels weird to be playing video games and like not feeling guilty about it or not feeling stressed about it or just working on Blazor application for the fun of it with no deadline, no... Donovan, you need to be working on something else. So again, I, I'm enjoying it, but I'm not quite sure I'm 100% in yet because I'm in this weird kind of surreal, is this real? Do I really never have to go back to work again? Do I really have to never do that again? And part of my brain just hasn't believed that that's true. So I think the longer it goes, the more exciting it will become because it'll become real. Like, like wow, I really never have to go back to work again. So right now it, it feels great, um, but there's a little bit of almost disbelief mm, and that like, it's actually is this real. Legitimate? Yeah. Is it like, mm. do I really never have to do that? <laughs> For sure. And it, yeah. So I don't think it's quite hit me yet. Plus I still have a lot of friends that are from work, right? Mm. I mean, I still meet with some of my, my people that used to report to me when I built the league and M and P even after I stopped being their manager, they still wanted one-on-ones with me and those still happen. Right. So part of me is again, it's almost like, did I really leave? 
because I was just talking to Rick and Krishma and like I have a meeting with Oren coming up. So part of me is like, I think I did leave, but I'm still like talking to a lot of the same people that mm -hmm. I talked to before. So I think that's another reason why the transition has been kind of slow and kind of blurry for me mm -hmm. is because a lot of my life, like you said today, you walked in my office and it looked like I was at work, mm -hmm. right? I had videos in the front. I had code up in the left corner. For those I'm describing, I have five monitors where I work and there's different things in all of them, 3D print on one of them. And that's what it looked like a month ago. <laughs> so like, like a year ago. And that's what it looks like today. Right. And I think that's another reason that retirement doesn't quite feel the same I did what I loved for a living. And now I get to do what I love for a living without a deadline, which is like the only mm. thing that's different, I think. I think when we talk about retirement, we also think that people hated what they did. Mm. And I don't know, well, I'll let you speak. Do you hate what you did? Oh, no, no, no. I mean, I don't think I could have been as good at what I did if I hated it. Mm. And I, I was always that way when I interviewed people. The first question I would ask a developer was, what was the last thing you wrote for fun? Mm-hmm. And if their response was, oh, man, as soon as I get home, I never touch the computer anymore. I'm like, okay, we're done. Like, that you're not the person I'm looking for. I'm looking for the person that would happily do this for free, that just does this for the fun of it. Because that person is going to bring to work energy and passion and power that we're just not going to get out of the nine-to-five programmers, what I call the night, the people who are just like, when they clock out, they never touch a computer again. could be very comparable, a very good programmer, mm -hmm. right? But they're just, they just don't have that that extra mile kind of thing, right? Sure. Even if every, every once in a while, you're going to have to burn the midnight oil. You're going to have a deadline coming up and they're going to be the ones complaining the loudest that they have to stay versus the other ones who are just shoulder to shoulder. Let's get this done. Hmm. So I always want people who love what they do. And I've been fortunate enough to love what I do. My goodness, since 96, right? That's hmm. when I got into the industry and couldn't believe I can make a living doing this. And not only did I make a living doing it, I made one so well that I don't have to do it anymore <laughs> for money, but then I still get to do it just for the fun of it again. So mm -hmm. I, it's, it's sort of like taking me back to the beginning of, of programming where I literally just did it for the fun of it, and I'm right back there again to where no responsibilities, no deadlines. I just get to code for the fun of it. Yeah, and I also think that when you're doing something like burning the midnight oil, like you said, it's going to be hard regardless of, I think, if you love it or not. Is you still have a deadline, and yeah. it's still gonna suck a little bit. <laughs> a, a little bit, but not as not as much as as most people would think. Because I was probably gonna be up anyway. That's fair. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and and to to achieve that goal feels so rewarding, and it's just mm -hmm. like, oh man, this is so awesome that we got it done. But there's times where you're on a death march, and and it just it's just a drag. Like even yeah. if you love programming, the fact that you've been up till three o'clock in the morning for the last nine days trying to make some unrealistic expectation of a date that was just pulled out of the air that you know is not really not that important, and then the date slips anyway, like that is what burns you out. Not mm -hmm. the fact that I was up late; it's that I was up late for nothing. Mm -hmm. Right? I think that used to burn me out quite a bit. Yeah, that makes sense. So hearing you talk about how much you kind of love what you did and loved your career. What made you want to retire so early? Well, how did you know that it was the right time? Um, yeah, so I got to make sure I don't cry. <laughs> Abel. Hmm. For those who don't know, Abel is Donovan's best friend in the entire world, and he did pass away a few years ago. And I think that put in perspective. Because he was only 49. Hmm. And he and I loved what we did. But he didn't get to enjoy it all. There are things I know he wanted to do that he never did. Mm. And then we started asking ourselves, like, why are we making all this money? Like, there's places you and I still want to go we haven't gone. And it just kind of changed my perspective on, we all have a limited time on this earth. And I don't want to look back and regret not retiring sooner. I have bad knees, as you know, mm. go to the doctor for it all the time. And I'm afraid that there's going to be a time I won't be able to hike up the mountain so that we can zip line down. Mm. And I decided that I'd rather retire early, get bored and go back to work, than retire late and regret it for the rest of my life. Mm. So Abel and I both started saying, We're, we got to figure out how to get out of here. Right? We got to go figure out how to live our lives, which is why we started income investing, mm -hmm. which is what's inside the income factory book that we were talking about. And... We were getting there. Like Abel was making good money. I was making good money. And then the clock just ran out on Abel. And I was like, I don't want that to be me. Mm. So you and I sat down and we defined what success looked like, which is step number one for anyone who's trying to figure out how do you figure out how you retire. First thing you have to do is know what success looks like. If you do not know what success looks like, you have no idea if the decision you're making right now is driving you further towards or away from your goal. And I remember the first time I was asked, 
Donovan, what does success look like? I picked up the phone and I texted Chelsea, babe, what does success look like? You're like, you were like, what do you mean? I'm no like, idea. Uh, how much money do we need? How big does the house have to be? How many cars? How many vacations? Like, what does success look like? You had no idea. I was like, I don't know either. Mm. And that's scary because I don't know if I'm supposed to go take this partner promotion or if I'm supposed to jump over to Mark's team or if I'm supposed to stay here. Like, I don't know what decisions I'm supposed to make because I don't know where I'm going right now. I don't know when I'm done. And then it took us, what, six months, seven months? It took us a long, a long time, time. to yeah. finally realize that spending as much time together as you possibly can Traveling the world, eating great food, zip lines, and roller coasters. That's pretty much sums up like what we want to do. And if we could do that every day with no stress, that would be success for us. And the problem was COVID. Mm. We couldn't travel the way we wanted to. We weren't going to go to all these places because the world was in such a state that it wasn't capable. It wasn't possible for us to do that. Regardless of how much money we had, we were going to be stuck at home. So we made the decision, just keep working then, right? Because there's no reason to stop doing a job you love that you're well compensated for and you're just leaving all that money on the table to sit at home and do nothing, That's that just made no sense to us. So I'm like, hey, I love my job. I'm good at it. I'm well paid. Let's just keep making money until that point comes where we realize, holy crap, we can go live the life that we want because we already had, we've done the math. Once you know what success looks like, you can actually do the math. Like how much does it cost every month for us to live the life that we want to live? And once we knew that number, and I achieved that number. I just kept like stockpiling the money because we, we didn't we didn't need to, to retire then. Then all of a sudden, we realized that we are starting to travel more. And we went to Six Flags and we went to Universal and we're racing our car. And we're like, wow, like, we can go live the life we want to live. And the only thing stopping us is the fact that I have meetings. My, I, my calendar, and that's the one thing I hated about my job was my mm. calendar. I, I mean, I hated my calendar because it was always full and I always had to check it before you and I did anything. Mm. And it just, it started to really upset me. I remember a couple of times you and I got in a fight because you said, what about your calendar? And I just lost it. I'm like, mm. I don't care. Like, right. I, I'll just cancel the meeting. I, I'm so sick of being like a slave to that freaking calendar. Yeah. Right. And um, so once we realized, hey, we can go live our life and we never have to check that freaking calendar again. It's like, let's go pull the trigger on this. And what a lot of people were shocked by is they feel like it was out of nowhere. Donovan just decided to retire. What they don't realize is that we'd been planning this already for years, right? Like we were years. two years behind schedule mm -hmm. because the first time I took six weeks off, which was three or four years ago, 2019, I think something like that. We were like, I don't want to go back to work. Yep. But mm -hmm. I went back to work because we couldn't live the life. Actually, it was probably 2020 ish because it was already COVID was already started. I think. I thought the first time was right before COVID. So like end of 2019 and you took it right up until January. Sure. And then COVID started like March. Yeah, that's right. And we took one more trip, I think, right before all that stuff. Mm -hmm. happened. So yeah, you're probably right. Cause I did it t three times. Yep. And this last time I really didn't want to go back. Yep. Uh, which is just like, let's just go ahead and pull the trigger and do it. So like, again, it was, it was able, uh, changed my perspective on everything, on work, on finances, on time with your friends and your family i was talking to my pop once my dad and i go to lunch every month and he's like your legacy isn't what you do at work your legacy are the memories you leave with your loved ones like that's your legacy that's so true and again stuff like that has just changed the way that i view everything so all my perspectives change mm. and it was like how do i put my money to work so that i don't have to work so that you and i can go do whatever we want to do sure that makes sense and i want to get to how you did it but <laughs> first <laughs> I want to ask you, as someone who is a self-proclaimed workaholic, mm. has a work-work balance, mm -hmm. <laughs> no work-life balance to speak of, how how has it been adjusting to a life without a calendar? Because you said that that's like the worst part of your <laughs> worst part of your job. Uh, it was hilarious. So um, Monday, the the first Monday, it was what May first was my first Monday as a retirement, and I had a meeting at like 1 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, you did. I forgot. <laughs> with, I forgot. with a prototyping company for an idea that I've been sitting on for a couple months, and I'm like free to go explore now, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, the prototype I created for our trailer, which is awesome because it'll be shipping to us within a few days now. I can't believe nice. that prototype is already happening. Nice. Uh, and then I'm trying to learn about injection molding for the idea that you and I just got confirmation on when we picked up our BMW that that's a good idea and they want to buy that thing for me. So I haven't really transitioned as much as my day has changed. This is what I do in the day. It's not mm -hmm. like I just sit up, sit around and like, man, what am I going to do today? It's like, no, I've been that office just like I was before. It's just the videos that I'm watching are different. 
the things that I'm learning are different. It's not always just about coding. It's about how do I do injection molding or how do I do CNC and of, of aluminum and how do I design transfer my file from this format to that format so I can upload it to Protolab so they can give me an estimate on how much it's going to cost to produce this thing. And you know how many crazy ideas I always have, but I've <laughs> never had time to go pursue any of them because mm-hmm. I had a conference coming up or something at Microsoft I had to mm-hmm. do or my calendar was just packed. Exactly, yeah. like always, right? So it was funny. So it transitioned. I literally had a meeting the first day. <laughs> and that. it was funny because uh, it came up in the in the, in the the meeting. And the woman was like, you retired? And you're already <laughs> on the meeting? I was like, yeah, I just can't stop. She's like, well, good on you. Because I was having fun. And it was exciting to learn all that new stuff. So I get to learn all this new stuff that I always felt guilty trying to learn instead of being great at what I was paid to be great at. Mm. Um, which is why I didn't play video games, which is why I never pursued any of these ideas before because I spent every minute I could trying to be the best at DevOps, the best on stage, the best for Microsoft, which doesn't leave a lot more, a lot of time for a workaholic to do much else. Mm. Do you regret having done that? Done which one? <laughs> having committed so much of yourself to your work. I think if I had not committed as much, and this is, again, this is, a, this is you're going to hear the addiction speaking. Mm. If I hadn't worked that hard, I wouldn't have been able to retire as, as quickly. Mm. So just like most addicts find ways to justify their behavior, it's exactly how I justified mine. My parents, are, my, my dad still works. Right? He didn't get to retire at 50. Right. I left a lot of people at Microsoft who are older than me who are still at work. Maybe because they love it, but I, don't, I, but I just don't understand why you can't love it for, for free. You know what I mean? Like love it while, <laughs> sure. like, you know what I mean? I just don't understand. You can still love that without having to get, go to work and have those responsibilities to do mm-hmm. that stuff. And I'm convinced that it's because of my worth ethic. It's because of the fact that I had a work, work balance. It's bef- the fact that I used to tell people this, Microsoft breeds workaholics, mm. right? And, and it rewards them because yeah. our reward structure is set up that if you have a bigger impact, you get bigger rewards. And I convinced myself the reason my rewards were so good is because I worked so hard and I want those rewards so that we can retire. So I would kill myself every year. And they would reward me for it. And then I would do it again. And now I'm just like, wow, I'm free. I don't have to do that anymore. But I'm glad I did it because otherwise I'd be there another 5, 10, 15 years Mm. and not know how I'm going to retire. Sure. How do you think that pushing yourself that hard impacted your mental health? There were some dark times. Mm. And I was talking to Oren about it the other day. That people don't see that side. They see you on stage for eight minutes, six minutes, and you do some cool demos, some cool presentation. And it almost hurts my feelings that people think I just get up there and do that, that I haven't spent months preparing for that eight minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was hard. You were there at Build. Yeah. For those who do not know, Build is a Microsoft conference, and he prepared for this one demo, maybe six to eight minutes, like he said, and there was one section that messed up. The tech had an issue. It was not even his issue. No one noticed. His shadow corrected it, no problem. But after that conference, he came off stage and he literally did not want to speak to anyone, didn't want to look at anyone. He, we just went somewhere backstage and just sat there for maybe 30 minutes while he just collected himself because he was so upset that he'd practiced for so long and just this one thing just... Stupid tile on a Kanban board, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. And I had to make a joke, and then people were like, man, but you covered so well. I'm like, I shouldn't have had to. Right. You know how hard I freaking practiced Mm. for that and not the pressure I put on myself to try to be great? And so, yeah, it was dark. Mm. Pacing around at at Connect that one year. And and I worry about people. Like Jessica Dean, Mm. I asked her, like, please be careful. Yeah. It can get dark. And it's so weird. It's like, it's a freaking conference. Like, am I taking it too seriously? Then I go back to, I'm retired at 50. Yeah. Like, and I'm like comfortably, everyone's like, oh man, how's it feel to be on a fixed com- income? Like, who told you I was on a fixed income? <laughs> right. I get a raise every month. Mm. But it's that work that led to this life. Mm. So how can I say I regret what led to now I do whatever I want with no stress? I mean, we're doing stupid stuff. Yeah, we're, we're driving all across the country racing our Tesla just because we, we just feel got like back it. from Formula One. We're about mm-hmm. to order a truck. Who orders a hundred thousand dollar truck the day they retire? Yeah, right. That's not retirement type of behavior, mm-hmm. but it is for us because our retirement is set up such that we make more money every single month. How does that happen? Because I had enough money, mm-hmm. thanks to the way that I worked, to be able to build this machine that is now 
generating more revenue than we need. And mm. I just reinvest the rest that we don't need. And then all of a sudden next month, it's more money than it was this month, right? So I cannot say in any way that I regret what I did because what I did is why we're here. That's why mm. you're interviewing me right now. Yeah, for sure. Is because of how hard I worked for the last, and I, my, my entire career, but the last nine years in particular, like that time at Microsoft, I maximized it as best I could. Mm. And that's why I'm here right now. Yeah, I'm very proud of you, by the way. I don't say it a lot, but you've worked really hard for us, and I really appreciate everything you've done. Of course. Um, so talking about people like Jessica Dean, who's also just a really popular, really good speaker at no, Microsoft. No. Or I think or she, she's at Amazon now. Amazon now. now. Yeah. She was at Microsoft for a period of time. Talking about people like that, you, you advised her to be careful and to take care of herself. So how would you recommend that she does that? That's a great question. Um I don't even know. I, it's not like hindsight's twenty twenty, and oh, I could have done that differently. Mm. Or that, that other conference, I didn't work that hard, but it still turned out great. Like, sure. you know, I worked as hard for every conference. Every conference. So I don't, I don't know. I never changed anything to be able to go back and say, oh, yeah, you can do this a little bit differently and you'll get by, right? Sure. Um, because preparation is everything. Mm. Like, I mean, you, you have to get on that stage and destroy the stage. You have to want you have to want every other presenter to not want to follow you. Mm -hmm. Like that's the biggest compliment I could give to anyone, and it's the biggest compliment I could ever get. Was man, I don't want to go after Donovan. Mm. And the reason they didn't want to go after me is because they knew I was going to go up there and just try to bring the entire house down, mm. right? Have the quote of this conference, or have people laughing and just engaging and like want to know more about whatever it was I was on stage talking about. And that takes an insane amount of preparation. I mean, it's just. It's disturbing how much preparation it took for me to do that. And maybe others won't need as much preparation as I do. Um, but I just told her, just be careful. What I wanted her to do when I said be careful is just be on the lookout. It snuck up on me. Mm. I wasn't expecting to break down crying in a hotel in New York mm. because I'd said the same eight minutes to the point where I felt like I was going crazy. Mm. Like that's what I want her to be careful about. Like mm -hmm. anyone listening to this voice who wants to be a presenter or wants to be really good, like just be on the lookout for those areas where you realize, okay, this is like uncomfortably scary right now and just take a break um and and give yourself a moment i wouldn't every time i stopped i said it again and it was just felt very like scary it was very that's dark. understandable and i think the fact that you don't know what you could have done differently is also a problem and not like a failing mm -hmm. on your part mm -hmm. but just the fact that we do not have enough education on mental health and mental health awareness because you didn't like you said, it snuck up on you. And I'm sure all the warning signs were there. Like your chest would get tight, mm. you know, like you Probably. get headaches all the time. You get your migraines with your aura, your eye starts messing yep. up. Like there are all the physical warning signs of like your body throwing up the check engine light. Like, hello, right. <laughs> I need some attention. Right. But because you're not attuned to that and you're not like, oh, this is an issue. You're just like, oh, my body's doing something like it's fine. But because you weren't looking for that as something, as a sign, like, okay, this is starting to get problematic you then didn't even know for not only what to look for but what to even do because what do you do like right. like taking a break it might not be enough because you taking a break is not taking a break at least when you worked sure when you were working at microsoft you started like when even when we we're watching tv you would just start like vibrating like you'd be fidgeting you'd be just and i'll just tell you to go work because you're clearly somewhere else so even relaxing for someone as like high powered and high anxiety, I guess, as you were, that's not enough. Yeah. Cause it's a bit of fear in there. Right. Cause you're like, it's not the, f cause everyone's like, man, were you nervous? Like I was never nervous when I got on stage cause I had prepared so much. I knew this should work. Mm. So I was excited. Um, but there was also that fear of just someone doing better, not fear that I was going to mess up. Right. There's a, there's a difference there, mm -hmm. right? Nervousness is that Oh my God, I don't think this is going to work. I'm so nervous or I'm so, I'm so nervous. I'm going to flub and I'm going to say something. Like, it was like, no, I just, I had feared that I was going to get on stage and just someone else was just going to do better than me, mm. which is why I prepared so hard. Mm. So by the time you could feel the handler's hand in the small of your back push you on stage, oh my God, that's the part I love the most. Mm. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. But I was never nervous, but I would be pissed off when stuff didn't go well, mm. obviously, but I wasn't nervous. Um, but I was fearful before that, trying to make sure that I I wasn't just going to be shown up. I wasn't going to embarrass Microsoft. Like, that's the kind of fear that I was trying to prepare myself out of, is, like, if I over-prepare and I'm ready, then Microsoft not only is going to be proud of what I did, they're going to ask me to do it again. And from my very first keynote in 2015, I didn't stop till I retired. 
right? And, and that's a long run. I mean, I think Scott Hanselman has one probably as long as mine, but mm-hmm. there's people that I used to see backstage. I didn't see backstage when I was finishing, right? right? Like there's, there's smaller careers in there, but I think if you deliver, they keep asking you back. And that's what I kept wanting to have happen. Do you think that your fear of someone being better than you was driven by the fact that you were oftentimes the lone black person on stage? Sure. Always. Yeah, yeah. My parents have always taught me that. And Abel and I used to talk about this all the time. You can't be as good as you have to be several times better, better than mm. just to get half the credit. Sure. Right. But I want all the credit. So I'm going to be sure. four times as good <laughs> as you. Right. Because that way I get all the credit, even mm. though I have to work twice as hard, three mm. times as hard. And I, I, I spoke at um, BAM, which is Blacks at Microsoft, um, before I left. And I was thinking being black should be a superpower. Mm. It's the icing on the cake. It's not the cake. You can't be on stage because you're black. You need right. to be on stage because you're the best. Mm. And then it's just a bonus that you happen to be black, right? right. Like use it that way and don't use it as a crutch or an excuse and things like that. But a lot of pressure. My father, executive board of the NAACP, very proud black man. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother, same way, perfectionist. Like, so like if you just look at how I was raised, like, it was like born into me, bred into me. Like you're going to be good and you're going to give it all. My father's like favorite phrase is never half-ass anything. <laughs> Right. So like, here we go. Like, if yeah. you're going to do it, do it. Mm. Right. And that's what that's what I took to everything. It was, that's what I'm taking to retirement. Sure. Like, that's why my retirement isn't the four percent rule. Yeah. Right? Our retirement is live our life exactly the way we were living it before. And then every month a little bit better. Right. That's our retirement, which is not common for anyone. Right. So I've taken that same worth ethic, that same drive, that same determination to everything that I do. Mm. And so I don't know how to turn it off. Sure. But I hope that now that I'm in retirement, there's just less stress and less pressure. So I don't put myself in these dark places. Because, like, if our number business doesn't take off, <laughs> I don't care. You know what I mean? If my if I'm the only person who ever buys the prototype that we're buying, building for our trailer, I'm not going to lose any sleep over that stuff. Right? Right. So I think that's what's changed. Is I'm still going to give it all I have mm. and try to make it perfect. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't work, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. Okay. So you already mentioned the four percent rule the four percent rule is like you want to withdraw four percent annually from your retirement fund correct correct okay and theoretically if your nest egg is large enough when you retire if you only withdraw four percent then you should be your money should basically survive you so where you should run out like right near the end of your <laughs> life uh and that just made me feel very uncomfortable sure i don't i don't want to have to live on a fixed income and mm. do math and figure out if 4%, how do we overdraft? Oh my God, what do we do now? And mm-hmm. I'm not making money now, so I can't go and re- replenish that 4% or that 5% that I took out. What's going on? That's not how I intended to retire. Um, and I remember someone was saying, oh yeah, we're, they were talking to about us. What was that? The um, deferred compensation plan? Oh yeah. oh yeah, you'll be in a lower tax bracket once you retire and then you'll be able no. to take this money. I was like, no, if I'm in a lower tax bracket when I retire, I've failed. Yeah. I intend to be in the exact same tax bracket I am now when I retire and then slowly increase my tax bracket as into retirement. That's exactly what we have set up right now. Mm. So again, just like everything else in my life, like I went into like, how are we going to retire? I don't want to retire like everyone else. I don't want to be on stage like everyone else. I don't want to code like everyone else. So we just apply that to everything. So again, when you say, what would you change? I'm like, I don't know that I could change anything but I just have to find a more healthy way to do it. That's fair. I think it's fine to to know like, okay, well, that wasn't probably the best way to do that because it hurt me in mm. the end, even though it did end up pretty good, honestly. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> kind of weird, right? Because yeah. like, there's, there's sacrifice in everything, yeah, right? 100%. I mean, people who look great spent a lot of time in the gym mm. not feeling good and hurting and burn, the burn and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So I'm thinking... I'm not, I'm definitely not of the mindset that, oh, it's the world is fair and I should just get it because I deserve it. Like, no, you have to bust your ass to go get that stuff. Sure. And I did. Mm -hmm. And luckily I'm being rewarded for it. So I don't know that I I can, I'm I'm not looking for that. Oh, where's that, that, you know what I mean? That that weird kind of, I deserve this. So Mm, this should just be, you know what I mean? I'm not looking for that. I'm like, I, I, I don't know that I go back and change anything because I believe that you have to work hard. You have to sacrifice to be rewarded. It's Mm. not this. I deserve it in the world's not fair kind of nonsense for me. For sure. It's more like you earned it. Yes. You earned. I don't deserve it. I earned it. Exactly. That's a very big difference. Yes. Yeah. So let's talk about how you earned it and mm. specifically how you set us up to retire with our tax bracket, bracket like staying the same sure. and living life on autopilot essentially. Yes. So um, I remember the, this is a very quick story. The first time. So when you work at Microsoft, you get rewarded with stock. Mm. And 
at first, like, it doesn't even really make any sense. You 30 shares here, 30 shares there, 20 shares there. Of course, the higher you get, the more shares you get. And over time, you you start to get these things called dividends. And Microsoft pays one every quarter. So every three months, you get a, you get a dividend. And when you only have 30 shares and they're only paying you 50 cents a share, like, you're really not noticing that two $3 that showed up in your account. Mm. But years went by, and then all of a sudden, like, $1,000 showed up in my account, and I didn't really know where it came from. And I start looking around like, holy crap. A thousand dollars in next in three months, I'm gonna get another thousand dollars just for doing nothing, just because I own Microsoft stock. And I thought, start thinking, man, if I had, what was it like, fifty thousand shares of Microsoft stock, that would be like a hundred thousand dollars a year. So that became my goal. You remember when I got promoted, <laughs> we 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 went to Fidelity. And they got okay, Mr. Brown, like, what's your goal? I, like, I want fifty thousand shares of Microsoft stock, and that's an an enormous amount of stock for mm. Microsoft. Like that is, that is a lot of money like Microsoft right now is trading around $300 and I want 50,000 shares of it that's a lot of freaking yeah. money right and he said why do you want 50,000 shares of Microsoft stock I said because they pay 50 cents a share they pay me every three months and if I had that I have a hundred thousand dollars for free every year it's like oh, okay you want dividends it's like well then you need to sell your Microsoft stock I'm like nope you're a crazy man I'm never selling my Microsoft stock because I had this emotional attachment to my Microsoft stock so I heard him but I didn't listen to him I was like, all right, this guy's a lunatic. I'm getting out of here. And he even like, brought up, like, you need to be looking at this stock or this stock. They pay so much more in dividends if dividends are what you want. That was before Abel got sick. Mm. So I, we went and had that meeting. I heard him, but I did not listen to him. Mm -hmm. Then Abel got sick. And I started reevaluating our finances. And I remembered what that guy said. And I remember doing the math. I sat down and I told you. So what, my first goal was, how can we pay our mortgage mm -hmm. with dividends? Because if we could pay our mortgage with dividends, the stress just goes off because that's like your number one payment Spence. every month. Yeah, mm -hmm. every month it's, it's your mortgage. And I think our mortgage is like $3,000 at the time. And like, man, if I could get enough of anything that every month like clockwork would pay me $3,000 to cover a mortgage, how cool would that be? So I did the math and I found this particular security that paid like six cents a share. And if I had... I think then again, it was like 50,000 shares of it. That would be $3,000. And this, this was an interesting stock because instead of paying every three months, like most do, this one pays you every single month, right? So if you do the math of six cents times 50,000 shares, that is $3,000 a month, right? So I'm thinking, I need 50,000 shares of the stock. And the stock only cost like $9 at the time. And Microsoft is trading in the hundreds of dollars at the time. So it was the first time I'd ever sold Microsoft shares. I sat down and I did the math. I mean, 20, 30 times I did the math. I because I'm about to sell a lot of Microsoft to go buy this other company I've never heard of before, but has all the numbers that I need to make this thing happen. And I remember, I, I think I still have the screenshots from the chat we had. I was like, all right, babe, I'm going to go sell like this much Microsoft. And, and I did, and my heart just sank. I'd never, never sold that many shares before. Got out of Microsoft, had this mountain of cash, and I went and I bought this other thing. And then the waiting begins, because again, I bought it, but I had to wait another 30 some odd days to know, did I do the math right? And I had, I had this other security that I'd purchased that was going to pay a couple days earlier. And I remember saying, okay, if I wake up tomorrow and there's like $300 in my account, then I've done the math right. Like that's not our mortgage, but that's the one I did before that. And then the next day there's going to be like $3,000 in there. And I remember waking up and seeing that $300 in there. I was just like, holy crap, I did the math right. This is going to be amazing. And the next day there was our mortgage. I could not believe it. And then the next thing you know, a month later, there's our mortgage again. And that's when it just like the light bulb came on. I'm like, I need to stop having my money sitting on the sidelines looking pretty and not working for me, right? Mm -hmm. Your money is your number one employee. It can work 24 hours a day, never gets tired, never complains, never needs holidays, never needs anything. But most of us put it in a savings account mm -hmm. or most of us don't invest it at all. Or most of us have this shares of our company stock and don't understand how it works or, or how to sell it properly or, or how to make it work for you. And once I saw that happen, Abel and I stuck literally the bits flipped for us. And we just started figuring out how do we buy more of these types of companies that actually pay us regularly. And it's called income investing. And there's a lot of people listening right now that are 100% growth investors. Knock yourselves out. Like I am not here to convince anyone that you should be doing what I'm supposed to do. And I'm not going to debate with anyone in the comments that growth <laughs> investing is better than income investing is better than anything else. Do whatever you want to do. I happen to do them both. Right, because mm. you don't have to be 100% one or 100% the other. You can have a, a nice medium and diversified portfolio that allows you to do them both. And I was, I knew exactly how much money we needed a month. Like we already had our mortgage covered, but we mm. had to cover those credit cards, our gas, our water, like all the other little things. We added everything up and said, okay, to live our life, we need this much money. Mm. And we were almost halfway there. So I just started collecting. 
doing more research, I went on YouTube. I think it's Joseph Hoags is a guy I watch quite a bit on dividend investing. I did a lot of um, was options trading that one year. And mm-hmm. so I just like tried to learn everything that I could about how money actually works, how debt actually works, and why we're never going to pay off our house, which some people are like, oh, my God, my whole goal is to pay off my house. I'm like, why in the world would I pay off a debt that only charges me 3.5% when I'm making 19% in the market, mm. right? To take that money out of the market means it stops making 19% to pay off this 3%. This doesn't make sense to me, right? I'm going to make the 19%, give you three, and keep the other 16 for us to go play around with, right? So my whole like my whole mentality about money just changed. So I'm like, nope, my mortgage, I refinance our house every chance we get, mm-hmm. right? To go get the equity out of it. And the last time we did that, we invested the equity to go pay our mortgage back for us, right? Mm-hmm. So it was like, it's just a joke to us. Like our mortgage literally became not our responsibility anymore. But it was because I understood how money worked, right? Rich Dad, Poor Dad, another fantastic book that you need to read and really understand the difference between an asset and a liability. That book does a fantastic job of explaining that to you. Uh, the Income Factory explains to you that a 10% growth is 10% growth regardless if five of it comes from dividends and the other five comes from appreciation. But some people who are 100% growth investors have to go back to that 4% rule because those stocks that they're investing in do not pay dividends. And the only way to get income to pay your bills is to sell the actual asset, which you are now sacrificing for your standard of living. We get cash every month and we still have the exact same assets that we had the month before plus a few more, right? Mm-hmm. So like the way we think about things is drastically, drastically different. So when I started doing that, I started and it was able to do it a little bit more aggressively because we were still employed at Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Right? So some of the stocks that I'm in or we're in is some of them are aggressive. Some of them are risky, but they're also paying 19% every month, right? Mm-hmm. So now what we do that we're in retirement is I take the excess and I buy Procter and Gamble's and Johnson and Johnson's and Kellogg's and McDonald's and Coke's. They don't pay 19%. They only pay three, 4%, but they've been paying it for a hundred years, right? Like these are, these are people who are, they built their reputation. They're called dividend aristocrats and dividend Kings. These are reliable sources of income that people use to retire. So now we're kind of splitting up our money to where 50% of it's aggressive and 50% of it is very conservative either 50% could go away and we'd still be able to live our life, right? So Mm. what we did is I stockpiled all the money that I could at Microsoft to go build this machine. And now we're just diversifying it. I'm also into, we're into CDs, right? We just, you just got a letter the other day from Mm -hmm. Fidelity saying, hey, you have a CD that's about to uh, mature. What do you want to do? And it's going to automatically roll it over for me and find me the highest rate for me to go generate 5% doing absolutely nothing. Mm. So the moral of the story is learn how your money freaking works and then put your money to work for you. And it's the coolest thing. Like, I, oh man, I, what is that? I use Simply Safe Dividends and Track Your Dividends. And on there, they have these calendars that show you how much money you're going to get paid every day. And when I pull up that calendar, and almost every square is filled in with a number, even if the number's only four or five dollars, it's like I'm going to get paid almost every day this month mm. for doing absolutely nothing. And when that number eclipsed my base salary at Microsoft, that's when the light bulb came. I was like, dude, I literally make more money not doing anything than I do at work. It's time for us to seriously consider getting out of here. Yeah, I remember when we were going to refinance the house and you had to explain to me like six or seven times that we were going to have the house pay for the house that we live in. (laughs) It just it just wouldn't it didn't make any kind of sense to me. I don't understand how this house, the equity from this house is going to pay for this house. Right. Ended up paying for our mortgage and still does to this day, I think. To this very day. Yeah. So we had so much equity in the house that we were able to refinance it and take the cash. Mm. That amount of cash invested correctly generates enough income every month to pay back the mortgage that we have. Mm. So literally, we just stepped aside and let our house pay for itself. And then we go and focus on other things because that's now literally on autopilot. Our house, our insurance, our tax, all that stuff just happens. And then what's really cool is that it happens to the point to where it actually the money generates a little bit more money than we need. So the excess money that it generates, I go and reinvest in assets. Mm-hmm. Again, Johnson & Johnson, Procter & Gamble, these really safe, conservative 3%, but they're also growing kind of stocks. And every month when I go into those, what's really cool about track your, track your dividends and Simply Safe dividends, and even Fidelity has it now too, they have these dividend views. They show you what your annual income is. And every month when I go in there, that number is a little higher than it was the last time I went in there, which Mm -hmm. just just makes you feel safe and comfortable knowing that it's not like I'm on a fixed income. I'm not. We're we're not on a fixed income. And, yeah, I just love the little shopping sprees I get to go on. 
right? Because I pay all of our bills and then there's cash left over and I look around at what I want to go buy and I just start buying stocks like crazy, <laughs> right? And then next month, and I'm not, I'm watching the little ticker at the bottom go up. Every time I buy something, it shows me how much our annual income is now. Mm. And it just, it's just cool. That's what I, that just makes me like really happy <laughs> is to go in there and just round. I'm also really anal retentive. I don't like having partial shares in my account. So I make sure everything's a multiple of five. Like how cool is that? That I get to go in and just buy enough shares. So everything's a multiple of five mm. and then still have cash. that I have to go figure out what I'm going to do with. So I mm. go get a CD or I'll buy a mutual fund or something that will, cause I don't want to buy six shares. I got to buy five cause I want it to be a multiple of five. <laughs> so now I have this extra money sitting around like, okay, what do I do with this? Oh, I'll go buy a CD or I'll buy a, an index fund or I'll do something simple with it. Right. But it's just that freedom that it, that we have now is just amazing. Yeah, I agree. It's crazy that our life has not changed at all and will not change at all. It's, like, it's gotten years. crazier. We've done crazier things since I retired <laughs> we than we did when I was. Formula One paddock club. We bought a truck. We are trailering across the country again for no apparent reason, just because we feel like just it. Just because we can. It's awesome. So. We have, because of how much you've worked and how long you've worked at Microsoft, you amassed quite a lot of mm. Microsoft stock. Mm. So that was a great starting place for us to see real change in like our mortgage, for mm. example. But not everyone has that kind of capital. Correct. So what should someone do if they don't have that kind of capital? First, they should open up a brokerage account. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Fidelity. Um, that's the one that I was given when I joined Microsoft in 2013, and I've just gotten really comfortable. You and I both hate TD Ameritrade. It's that so interface horrible. is just horrible. <laughs> I just don't understand it, but I don't care where you get. It could be Charles Schwab. It could be uh, Acorn. It could be – I don't care where you get a brokerage account. Get a brokerage account. Do some research. Go watch Joseph Hoag's. Go watch some of these other dividend investors on YouTube and buy a single share of something. That's all you need to get started. One of my favorite stocks, it costs like, I think it's $7 now. Prospect Capital is like $7, I think, and maybe even less today. And it pays you $0.06 cents a month every month like clockwork. Mm -hmm. Go buy one share. So if you have $10, you can get started investing. And what's going to mm -hmm. be cool is is that you're going to go buy one share or buy, buy any of the, anything that pays a dividend. And to kind of spark that fire into you faster, I would buy one that pays every month, right? Because the ones who pay every three months – it's not that much fun. I, I own a lot of those, but my bills come every month, mm. right? So I needed things that paid me every single month. But buy one share and watch that six cents show up in your account every single month. And you're, what happened to me, and it happened to me with CDs, it happened to me with dividends, is like, man, if I could multiply that number by 10, all of a sudden that's 60 cents. And then, ooh, multiply that again, oh, that's $6, $60, $6,000. Your brain starts to realize all I need to do is keep buying more of that or multiply how many of those I have. And now all of a sudden I'm talking about real money showing up. This isn't mm. six cents every month. This is $60. That's my cell phone bill now covered. Mm. So what I would tell people to do is get started with a single share of something. And it does not have to be Microsoft. It, it can be Microsoft if you can afford it. They're only paying 0.67%, I think, at the time of this recording. So versus something like Prospect who's paying 10%, like where were you going to put your money, right? So I'm going to put it where I'm going to get the most bang for my buck, but you need to do your own research because I have a completely different risk tolerance and risk profile than everyone else, right? Mm. Because we did have the money to risk. I was gainfully employed at Microsoft. I, we were very well compensated. So even if everything in our portfolio went nowhere, we were still going to be okay. So I encourage everyone to learn how to read and evaluate companies, buy something that pays a dividend, just one single share, and watch your account start to grow. And what's really cool about that is that it, if, if you're like me, it's going to spur, like it just ignite this fire under you. Like, oh, I want that to be a bigger number. So I'm going to start investing more into my real estate or more into my, sorry, my stock market than buying that extra cup of coffee or going to the movies or buying that, that, that thing that's more expensive and gives me that instant gratification versus buying an asset that will then eventually buy me that thing. Because the same thing with our truck. We could pay cash for our truck. We're not going to pay cash for our truck. We basically are going to take some cash, reinvest it, and that investment is going to buy the truck for us. Like mm. It changes the way that you think about things. You don't buy things with your money. You buy things with your money's money. Mm -hmm. And when you think about that, you start accumulating assets. And those assets can then buy you liabilities. And what's really cool about them buying you a car is that when it's done buying you the car, that money is still being generated. That asset is still wanting to buy you other stuff and you didn't have to sacrifice the asset for the car you had the asset buy the car mm. and again that's just it, it it took me understanding how money worked 
Because most people are like, oh, I don't want debt. I'm just going to pay off everything, and it's going to be great. Yeah, you're going to have a car, but you're also going to have a zero balance in your in your checking account. Or exactly. Whatever. Mm-hmm. So how are you going to pay for an emergency? Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to have all my money and the car. Mm-hmm. Like, which one would you do? Right. So yeah. again, it was, but it's not for everyone. I'm not saying go out and do what I did, but you did ask, how did I do it? Sure. Like, this is the mindset that happened for me. The light bulb came on. I changed the way I think about money. I changed the way about investing money, and I put every single cent we have to work for us. Yeah, and I'm thinking also about the fact that your perspective toward money has just changed over your lifetime. Just mm. thinking about cars specifically, mm. you told me your first car you ever bought, your black M3, you were broke. so glad that they put a full tank of gas in that thing because you did not have a single I was cent broke. Exactly. When you I, drove off the I lot. timed everything <laughs> such that the direct deposit from compact computers would go into my account the day I picked up my car, <laughs> just giving me enough money for all the closing costs and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And then in my account, bank account was zero dollars and zero cents as mm. I drive off the lot with a brand new M3. And I was yeah. like you said, I was my first thought was thank God this thing has gas in it because I have absolutely no money. Right. But again, I was too young. I was twenty four years old. Right. Right. And this was my first major purchase and mm. it was an M three and I was coming from a ninety one Nissan pickup with no air conditioner. Like right. my brain again right. just didn't understand what was going on and I didn't understand delayed gratification. I mm. wanted it now at any cost. And then I didn't have a lot of risk. I was still living at home. I mean, mm. like it wasn't as risky as it might sound sure. on, on paper, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I didn't understand it. Mm. And now the way we're about to buy this other car and we're putting it in a trust instead of in our name, like our mm-hmm. whole philosophy on how to live our lives has changed drastically. Absolutely. And I think for the better, because now it's like, it used to be, I was afraid of making larger purchases mm. because you're just going to see like the little red negative X amount of money. But I mean, you'll, you'll see that, but not really my money. Yeah. My money's money over yeah. there that was making all this money for me. Exactly. What do you say to people now that you're retired mm. who think that you're going to get bored? I just don't see it. Even though after even the first two weeks, I just don't see me getting bored. I asked several people before I left one of people who were still there, like, why are you here? Because mm. if I can retire, you definitely can retire. Mm. And a lot of them thought they were going to miss the social aspects. They were going to miss because when work is where you interact with people outside of your family and you remove that, then where do you get that social interaction from? You and I are members of car clubs. Mm. You and I play professional air hockey. That's 300 different people every month that we can go hang out with, right, and have that social interaction. Not to mention we're doing national events now. So that's a whole other group of people that we would otherwise never talk to that we get to talk to, what do we race, two, three times a month? At least twice. Yeah, right? So we're, we're getting that social interaction that we need that I think a lot of people whose whole social network revolves around where they work aren't getting. Mm. I... Again, it's it's been two weeks and I've been busy, right? Mm. Planning, learning, uh, getting prototypes created, investing and some investing more, some <laughs> more uh, learning Blazor, mm. uh, set up a website. Within like four days after I retired, I had a new website running on, <laughs> on Azure. Yeah. Uh, so I just don't see me getting bored. I just don't see it. And not to mention, there's there's still stuff I haven't done yet that I want to go do. Right? There's places you and I haven't traveled yet. And what's so cool about it is that we might go to Toronto in July. And I know that we can go. I know there's no conference I have to speak at. I know there's no meetings I have to cancel. I know that whenever you and I want to go, we can choose to fly up there or take a road trip, no matter how long the road trip takes, because I have nowhere I have to be. Mm. Right. So how do you get bored of freedom like that? I, I don't know how, that I'm going to get bored with it. Um, I, I, I would be shocked. I would, I would be shocked. Me too. Never, I'm never say never, but I would be shocked. Yeah, me too. I also know, I just know you more than I think other people do. And I know that there are just weeks where you just don't leave the house. Yep. Like you just literally have not stepped foot outside for weeks mm-hmm. and you've been fine. Even on vacation when yep. you're not in meetings. Yep. So I don't, I don't anticipate you getting bored. So you don't think you're going to get bored. Mm-mm. You have your finances planned out. Mm-mm. What would you tell someone who thinks that retirement this early is not possible? That like you're going to get bored and I think that your finances can't possibly be great as sustainable as you think. So it goes back to one of the things I said earlier. I rather be wrong about retiring early and go back to work Mm. than to retire at 60 and not be able to enjoy the rest of my life because Mm. my knees are gone. My finances aren't quite what I thought they were. I'm now having to go do some additional job in retirement to make ends meet because my social security doesn't cover everything that we need. Mm. Like I, if I get bored, 
guess what? No harm, no foul. I go back right. to work. Right. Right? I still have a very marketable skill. Right? Mm-hmm. I, and I think I left behind a, a reputation that would, should make it easy for me to, to re-enter the, the workforce should I choose to do so. Not to mention, even before I re-enter the workforce, like, you saw how much money I made on Medium when I actually mm-hmm. wrote a couple things, right? Like, right. I could just go right from Medium and right. probably cover, like, make our ends meet if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Or I pr- produce pretty good content on YouTube if I actually took that seriously, which mm-hmm. I don't, right? right? Like, that could potentially... So there's so many ways in today's age to make money. Mm-hmm. Even if I get bored, I don't know that the way that I, I get bored, I immediately go back to the corporate world again, right? I'll probably mm-hmm. try to find some other ways... And I've already done that. Like, trust me, either one of these ideas take off. Like, that's just even more reason that, like, why would I ever go back? So I'm going to invent my my chair idea, which you think is crazy. <laughs> I think is awesome. So <laughs> that's freaking I'm awesome. I'm not going to say what it is. No, because it's it not, exactly, exactly, because I haven't patented it yet. But that freaking idea is going to be awesome. And these two, <laughs> these little two filler ideas I have going yeah. on right now, come on. Man. If y'all see some idea from Donovan about chairs. This is the one we're talking about. <laughs> And you're going to be like, man, I can't believe she didn't believe in that. That audience is so awesome. <laughs> no, I, I, again, there's no harm, no foul. If I get bored, yep. great. I go back to work. If I don't get bored, then great. Yeah. The reason I ask is because it feels like you've had a lot more naysayers than supporters when announcing your retirement. They're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you're doing it so early. And even unrelated to you, there are people that I know who are just very, I can't do that kind of attitude. Mm. And I just don't, I don't understand that personally. I've never really, except for <laughs> with certain hobbies that I'm trying to be good at now. <laughs> but um, I, I've never adopted that mindset myself. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Like, everyone's different. Yeah, Everyone's different. Like, there's, this sounds kind of cheesy, but the, hanging out with you is like the most fun I have all day. And you're telling me I can get to do that all day now (laughs) and I don't have to worry about meetings and stuff. Like, how do I get bored of that? Mm. And if we get bored, we're going to go do roller coasters or zip lines or Mm. travel or or do whatever. Right. It's just I I don't know. I I have no doubt that we're not going to be bored. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. I'm I'm already stressed because of all the social engagements that we exactly, have. Exactly, exactly. And, and we don't have to do that either. We <laughs> right. can do whatever we want to do. For sure. right? That's the beauty of it is that we can, and you, you and I sit on the couch and binge watch TV for hours with mm-hmm. no one else but the two of us. So, right. Like we will do whatever we want to do. That's yep. the beauty of it. Did you think that you would retire this early when you were younger? No. No. Um, I didn't think I would be a millionaire when I was younger. Like you mm. always hope, but of course. the older you get, the more, the more difficult you realize it is to, <laughs> right. to, to get those kind of right. numbers. So I'm just blessed to have to have gotten to where we are. Mm. But no, I don't. I don't think I even thought about retirement as a little kid. I mean, I was supposed to be a stunt man. Like who retires <laughs> from being a stunt man, right? You'd be a stunt Probably man everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, the life I live now is not a life that I envisioned for myself at all. Never thought I'd be writing software for a living. Um, I used to drive through this very neighborhood when I was in college to motivate me to study because mm. I really didn't, I mean, especially when I was doing biology instead of computer science, I just really wasn't motivated. But I would come and drive through this exact neighborhood and look at all these beautiful houses and think, Donovan, man, if you want to live here, you like, you got to go back to study. And I would drive through, go back and study, drive through, go back and study. And then they realized I live in the neighborhood that used to motivate me. It's kind of cool, right? Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm not getting bored. <laughs> That's all. It all seems like very full circle. Mm. Like coming even before you were into computers, mm. well, into computer science. I remember you built that one game that your parents couldn't get you. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't. Yeah, there's a game called Quartro that I own now that I couldn't afford when I was in college. So I was in the Galleria, saw it, and. I think it was Sharper Image or Brookstone. One of those two kind oh, of fun. Yeah, those two, I don't even think either one of them <laughs> exists anymore. So. But this game was like $40. I'm like, there's no way in the world I'm paying $40 for a board game. I right. can do this. I can make this. So mm. I go to get some clay, and I try to make it out of clay. Oh, total failure. I'm not Archie in that way at all. So I was like, ah, whatever. I'll try something. I'm a man. I'll go to a hardware store. So I got, <laughs> went to a hardware store, tried to make the game again. Because it's such a simple game. I think it's like 16 pieces. Like, it's a mm. very simple game. And... Uh, again, horrible failure. And, but then I remembered in eighth grade, seventh, eighth, no, I think it was seventh grade, eighth grade, and in 10th grade, I was taught this language called QBasic. Mm. And I had a computer at the time. So I fired up QBasic and I started trying to figure out how do I make this computer play this game for me? And once I started, I was just fascinated. Like, this is awesome. And then being in the 
entrepreneur that I am, once I got it to work, I'm like, man, if I, because it wasn't pretty, it was all vector based, it was gross, <laughs> but it worked. Right. I was like, man, if I can make this pretty, I bet you I could sell it. Mm. So then I went and got a book, what, Teach Yourself C in 21 Days, and got Visual C++ 1.52 as my first compiler from Egghead Software. We had to drive up there and go get it kind of thing. So mm. uh, dating myself, but yeah, this was a long time ago, and I just couldn't get enough of writing software. I just loved it, right? Mm. And I still do, right? I'm still in there learning bootstrap five and blazer and all that kind of stuff because i'm just fascinated by how i can make a computer do whatever i want it to do yeah so i, I couldn't afford the game still haven't written that game of course i've printed it now on my 3d printer <laughs> yeah. right? so what i mean so it's yeah. like it's still come full circle and i still own the game and sometimes i look at it and i'm like wow thank goodness i didn't have that 40 dollars mm. right because if i could have afforded that game like where wonder, would you be exactly mm. right i'm glad i did not have 40 dollars then so that it forced me to figure out that i liked computers yeah so looking back over your whole life, over your career, over the dark times in your career and the high points, what are your main takeaways? What are things that you would like write on your headstone theoretically? I don't know. I just, I followed my passion. Mm. And that's what I tell people to do all the time. Yeah. You're like, Donovan, I don't know what I want to be in the morning. I don't want to be when I grow up. I'm like, well, imagine it's Saturday. You have no responsibilities, no alarm clock. You wake up. What do you do? You know what I do? I run over to my computer room and I start playing with a computer. Mm. Right, well, that's what I did for a living. Mm. If it's read, then go be an editor or an author. If you, if it's go play video games, literally go play video games for a living now, <laughs> right, right? Or go right. be a beta tester or go be a, a game designer. What is it that you do every single day when you have absolutely no responsibilities? You can turn that into what you do for a living. Mm. Uh, I'm proof of it. The fact that you can play a video game for a living is proof of it. And when you're the best in the world at what you do, I think people will pay you to do it. And so I would just say, find your passion. Don't do something just for the money because it shows in your work. Mm. The person who codes nine to five because it pays well, their code does not look the same as the person who was coding from four in the morning till nine at night because they love it. Mm. Like that code looks different. It feels different. And that person's passionate and loves writing software. And it just shows in your work. So I think it shows in your work no matter what it is. The best singers, the best actors, the best whatever, they love what they do. And it shows in their work. So find your passion. And I got really lucky that my passion, especially with DevOps, just hit at the exact right time. Mm. Like DevOps was important. I really liked DevOps. And then I rode DevOps till the wheels fell off, right? Mm. It's like, wow, I can't believe that. So I think I got a little bit lucky too. Like the timing was just right, right? Sure. DevOps is not near as popular and not, it's not in every keynote like it was when I was, when I was coming through Microsoft. It's still an important topic, but not the same way. So I hit it at the exact right time. Mm. AI is that thing now. Mm. Right. So those who have been waiting for this wave of AI, like, here's your time, like mm -hmm. grab on tight and go be the one. When I think of AI, your face should be the only one I think of. Go produce the content, go do the conferences, go write the blog post, do whatever you have to do. So where when I think of that AI, I only think of you. And then all of a sudden your career is just going to take off. Because for a while there, when people thought of DevOps, especially DevOps at Microsoft, I was one of the first people, if not the only person they thought about. And that in that happened externally and internally, which means is why the marketing team came after me and the analysis, the um, the ana analyst, analyst that came after me and the field team came after me and our customers came after me, right? Because mm -hmm. I, they wanted the guy that they saw at Build talk to them about DevOps. And mm -hmm. so be, being that visible and, and def almost like an industry anointed expert in what you do holy macro man that was huge mm. uh so the timing was important but that passion it, it, people were talking i just just saw a tweet the other day that says no matter what donovan's talking about you can feel the passion right so that passion i think is is what should be on my on my <laughs> be passionate yeah exactly like yeah. just follow your passion man yeah. it's just yeah and, and right now i'm passionate about finance and mm. uh, when i and people are like man you light up when you start talking about this stuff i'm like yeah because it changed my life mm. and it can change everyone's life when we just don't have well in the past we didn't have the information and, and it was interesting because it was like generational knowledge passed down at the dinner table mm. and only those who knew could share with those who didn't know and those who didn't know were their children and then all of a sudden you have this huge amount of generational wealth and that knowledge was kind of held in that family mm. and all of a sudden you have youtube and you have books and you have all this information where those secrets are now available for all of us to hear mm. so there's no excuse for you not to understand this or not know how this stuff works that's that's what changed for me too is like i don't have the there's no excuse like i don't have an excuse on why i don't understand how dividends work investopedia.com phenomenal website mm. that explains all the weird terms that you're going to hear when you start watching these financial news or watching these youtube channels or reading those blog posts about options trading go to 
in, uh, info, sorry, investopedia.com and type in the word that you don't understand, there will be an entire blog post explaining that concept to you. So there's no excuse for us not to know how our money works. And to understand how your money works frees you from everything, from your job, your responsibility, your mortgage, your car note, your insurance. It frees you from all of that because the money that you need is being made by the money that you already have. Right. So I don't know. I just I, I get excited about that stuff. So whatever you're passionate about, just follow that thing. Yeah. And I also think that we get wrapped up in passion, but we also kind of forget that it takes hard work as well. Oh, yeah. Like it's sure. not just just because you're passionate about it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. No, I because know. you're not the only person passionate about that thing. Exactly. There were people exactly. talking about DevOps before I got to Microsoft. Mm-hmm. But my passion and my worth ethic is just that they weren't willing to work as hard as I was mm. to own that space. Yeah. And I stayed up late. I, I, I made sacrifices that they didn't make. They made decisions that I didn't make, right? That, that affected their ability to stay up as late as I do. Sure. Right. And I, Hey, I, those are your decisions. These are my decisions that led me to where I am right now. So I'm not, they're neither right or wrong. But it was the decisions that I made that allowed me to surpass people who came well before me in this space mm. and just outwork them. Yeah. So looking forward into your retirement, are you afraid of anything? And what are you most excited about? I don't know if it's afraid, but I, I, I'm just trying to learn everything I can about finance. Mm. You know that we've had our plan vetted probably three times now by yep. three different financial advisors on, do I have this right? And everyone's mm. like, yep, you got it right. And part of me is like, eh. <laughs> do I really do know? Do I really have it right? <laughs> right. Like, so I just, I'm reading finance books. I'm watching podcasts. I'm reading everything I can about finance books. I have this uh, surviving, what is it, um, bear markets book that I'm reading right now, right? So I'm constantly trying to make sure that what I believe I know is validated by others and mm. confirmed by others that yes donovan what you have even though it's been working now for three years it's, there's that little part of you like like the market's really bad right now but we're doing really good so i'm hoping that when the market turns around this is even going to be better for us right because if we can we retired at potentially one of the worst times in the world to retire yes. right now right yeah. like the, we're, we're in a recession a, exactly <laughs> we're in a recession the interest rates are going crazy the mm. fed's going nuts and we're like yep we're good so when all this settles down, I just can't imagine. So I'm actually excited to see when this all settles down, mm. how much better off we are. But I'm preparing for the worst and educating myself such that no matter what the circumstances, we're going to be okay. Because I think I've shared with this with you before. You can make money regardless if the market's going up or going down. Mm. You just have to know which direction it's going. Right. Right. And I'm trying to make sure that I understand enough about technical analysis and financial and fundamental analysis so that I can start to see in the tea leaves, like, where's the market going? Is this recession going to continue? Is it going to get worse? If so, I know how to make money if that's true. And if it's going to start turning around and go up, I know how to make money there, too. Most people think you can only make money when you buy, <laughs> buy, what is it, buy low and sell high. Mm. That is not the only way to make money in the market. Mm. Right. So you can sell high and buy low. It sounds weird, but it's called shorting, and you can make a ton of money that way when you know the market's going to go down. So it's not about knowing when it's going to go up. It's knowing which direction it's going to go mm. and then what type of trades to place to make money in that. And the only reason that I can say what I just said is because I've been reading like crazy trying to understand how does money work? How does the stock market work? How does real estate work? How do CDs work? How do CD ladders work? How do, like, how do all these things that generate income work? Because I'm not the only person who's retired. There's people who've been retired a lot longer than me, living a great life, doing the stuff that I'm doing and just learning of now. And I want to start learning the things that I need to know so that 10 years from now, we're looking back and we're giggling and we are still better off than we are right now. Yeah, I agree. And I think we're, I think we're well on that path based on what everyone else is telling us to. Mm. So what do you want to leave us with? What are your final thoughts on, over your career, about retirement, anything? Um, it was fun. I'm, I'm glad I did it. I don't know what I would do differently. Learn how your money works. Okay. Go buy Income Factory. Just read. It's a really easy read. It's mm. not very complicated. It's not a lot of technical jargon. Get a Fidelity account or Robinhood. Get something mm. and buy one share of a company that pays a dividend and just watch that money start coming in. Um, and I think you'll, if you're like me, it'll spark, it'll light a fire under you and you'll be retiring a lot sooner than you think you're supposed to retire. And define success. If you don't know what success is, you have no idea if the decisions you're making right now are driving you towards or away from your goal. So that was key for us, was to know that this is what success looks like for us. And once we knew that, all my decisions after that were easy, including how we invest our money. 
That's all all great advice and all advice I think that anyone can can find useful today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Of course. Telling everyone your your secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Where can everyone find you on your social media accounts? Yeah, I'm at Donovan Brown on Twitter. Still watch. I don't track that as often, which is kind of weird. That's another thing I used to be really religious about is mm-hmm. getting that follower account. I just got my blue sky, so I'm over there. I'm on Instagram as well. I think I'm Dark Warrior on Instagram. I'm uh, DonovanBrown.com on Blue Sky. I'm at Donovan Brown on Twitter. And I blog on Medium. And I blog at DonovanBrown.com. So, I mean, any of those places so you can probably... So just Google your name. Yeah, and... <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. I, I, that's interesting because you can Google me and find me now. I wonder how long before that fades away to when you Google Donovan Brown. I'm not what you see. That'd be interesting. I don't know. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Or maybe it'll never go because my chair idea is going to make me famous. <laughs> it's not going to work. <laughs> it's not going to work. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, guys. If you like what you hear and you want to hear more, please follow the podcast at Your So Quiet Pod on Instagram and TikTok. Rate, review, subscribe. You know the drill. I will come to you next week to wrap up our Mental Health Awareness Month episodes. I love you so much. Okay, bye.